Welcome to the brand new episode of Fresh Out the Box. You're listening to Box Out FM with your host Subha Lakshmi. And on today's new episode of Fresh Out the Box, I have another guest with me. Her name is Ranjini, aka Ranj. Ab aap sun rahe hain Box Out FM. Har waqt, har jagah. So there is this quote, um, and she lives by this quote. When I came across this quote, then I thought that I should read this to you guys, which goes like, um, you know, you should try to learn something about everything and everything about something. So I feel that uh, she is somebody who literally lives by this quote, and uh, she's so smart, talented, witty, um, and I don't know what all she does. So skilled and has so many skills in her pocket. She might take away, uh, take up something new every uh, now and then. So, um, but instead of me talking so much, I think I would put my voice to rest and uh, ask her to introduce herself. Hi, Ranjini. Wow. Hi, Subalakshmi. I was really not um, prepared for this much kindness. So, thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be talking to you. um yeah so to introduce myself i'm ranj i'm a, um a singer a rapper and i play a little bit of saxophone and um so yeah uh, recently uh, from this year mainly i've been releasing uh, music under my solo project which i call ranj and uh, i also have a couple of bands called kelvikuri and kolandi associates and we've been working on a lot of music Yeah. Yeah, and you've also been um, a trained classical uh, Carnatic singer. So, uh, tell us about how your journey uh, in, you know, classical Carnatic music uh, shift to pop, rap and all of that and tell us how how important that base is and do you think that it's it's a great base to have to shift to any medium or have any other medium? Right, that's such a great question because I'm also somebody who teaches singing to kids. I teach opera, which is like a Western classical form. But uh, I have I have been trained in both opera and as well as Carnatic, which are like two classical forms from two different cultures. And um, of course, what I actually perform is something that's a bit different. I do a little bit of like fusion and like more contemporary styles. So um, I think that. definitely like uh, to just to talk about how my shift to pop happened it's more like you know um i i i of course definitely enjoyed carnatic music because my parents love uh, love listening to indian classical music they took me to so many kacheris and so many concerts which was like so awe inspiring for me as a kid like you know watching somebody on the stage and that was like my initial ambition and then ar rahman happened um i spent most of my young life listening to ar rahman and just being so amazed at how he can create such a such a visual world with just his compositions and his use of such unique sounds and like so many different things so that sort of like was the first thing that um like expose me to music that that is other than you know devotional or carnatic music while mm-hmm. i still appreciated that and um of course then like just like it happens to every teenager disney also happened and i like i used to watch these shows like hannah montana and like um the wizards of waverly place and then i realized okay you know english is a language that i am learning and that i do speak a lot so i started listening to english music 
which was of course like a whole different um whole different style and um yeah i i just uh, i think that the reason that i actually switched to pop was a little bit of, of like you know being like very excited with finding this new thing of like you know um yeah of like pop music and english music and like like also seeing like what arman is doing with like so much new technology and new um new sounds and also like getting a tiny bit lazy actually um you know like the carnatic training was getting slightly hard like you know he was bringing in these concepts of like manodharmam and like you know kalpana swaram and ragam which is like you know you're you're not going off a book anymore you're like um creating on the spot so that like sort of scared me so i i was like you know let's see let's like you know try something a new style now and let's see how i do in that so i went and i joined uh, kmmc which is aramans music school in chennai and i started learning opera so moving on to like the other part of your question which is like how important is it to have a classical base is like something that i tell my students all the time you know like anything that i've been trained in has been classical like i've never trained in a contemporary style um so uh, that uh, maybe i'm a bit biased but uh, that is what i tell my students is that you know uh, contemporary styles are like a lot they have a lot to do with your personality your personal preferences of what you like listening to and uh, that's something that i in my opinion that should not be taught but that should more be discovered and mm. sort of like cultivated and created by yourself and i think that especially like when it comes to classical forms like i have had experience with indian classical which taught me um you know which is like so good for like really learning like intervals you know between notes because a lot of a lot of the work you are doing is like you know jumping from note to note and like becoming really uh, good at that and becoming really virtuous at that and the emotion the emotional implications that your note choices have that's something that like you know um indian classical like really taught me and when it comes to western classical it's like the the way of instruction itself is like very intuitive to your body so you are like literally just learning about your own voice and your own body and how you can make it sound like any different thing you know you can make it sound like um soft and tender and you can also make it sound like scary and big and so that's something that i got from western classical and this is these are all things that i completely use when it comes to my contemporary style of writing and performance so i always believe that you know um having like learning a classical music is is you know something that's going to give you all the tools to make really great contemporary music yeah wow i think i just uh, have a bunch of questions from the response to this um one being uh, you know even my interaction with other artists you know what we find in common is that you know when you have more than one interest you definitely find intersectional intersectional points and those points about two different interests that you have and uh, they definitely facilitate each other you know exactly what you just said right mm-hmm. now so uh, you know when um, is does the saxophone also come from uh, the ar rahman school influence or uh, is it something that you just randomly picked up yeah it's the greatest story actually because um uh, so i enrolled for christ and i expected to go and you know have have a fun experience it wasn't like too much a very serious of a course you know it was like music psychology and english so you know i was really excited and i and i went there and i found out that they have like these you know you know how colleges have like clubs and extra credit courses and i found this course which was basically like it was it sounded too good to be true it was like they'll give you a wind instrument and they'll teach you how to play it you don't have to know it beforehand all you have to do is just be able to like sort of sing in pitch 
So I was I was just like amazed because I'm getting this for free through college. I was like that that's that's just great. And I went to the uh, so it was basically like an orchestra for the for the university as well. So I I went I went there and I tried every instrument. I tried the trumpet and euphonium and tuba and I was just not able to produce a sound in any of those because I just I, I guess it's because like I don't have that much stamina in general but like yeah the saxophone was just i guess it chose me because you know i was able to produce a sound of it sound out of it pretty easily so that's mm-hmm. kind of how it happened like it was like not a very planned thing even though i i've always liked the saxophone as an instrument um but uh, it wasn't something that i planned on doing i actually planned on learning the keys which also i did a little bit but yeah that just sort of like miraculously fell into my lap and um, yeah and as i was learning you know i just really enjoyed it even though i'm not like a complete jazz head even though like i mean the saxophone is like a jazz instrument and i'm not like super of like a jazz head or anything like that but i just always really enjoyed its tone and um yeah so that's how the saxophone yeah happened. saxophone fell in your lap right but you know it's also interesting <laughs> yeah, because it, it's unique um because in india we don't find many saxophone players and more so in case of mm. women playing a saxophone that's even mm. so rare with that respect so yeah and you know to the previous point um, you spoke about how um the classical music has an emotional note how it touches the emotions and uh, many a times you don't have to like necessarily understand or know you just have to become um you know an observer and receiver to the music like what you call usually a rasika right so um, and that helps you touch mm-hmm. that emotional um, you know something that is inside and and the musician is able to touch that uh, rasa and evoke that rasa in you in usual concerts that's what happens right mm-hmm. so um do you think that mm-hmm. that uh, uh, evoking uh, aspect is different in classical uh, western classical and indian classical um to be honest no uh, because i mean the western classical form is also something that's very theatrical very like um like the, the uh, like opera is never um never just singing never just voice it's the full face it's the full body it's like every bit of like dynamics that um you know that it makes the that really uh, and, and it's also about the grandeur like the, as as an art form it's a lot about like um just wowing people and like moving them to tears so i think it's there i think just the approach uh, between the two styles is like uh, is is quite different like when it comes to carnatic it's very like uh, what to say um like like let's say you're doing like a like a ragam for like for like 15 minutes then um it, your aim during that time is to is to really appreciate the the raga itself so much that you're like bringing out the beauty of it and the 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 inherent emotional qualities it already has like for example if it's like a todi then it's like a little bit of it's a little bit dark so you know you're like really just sort of cultivating that and like showcasing it to the to the audience but when it comes to opera it's more like story based um not to say that carnatic music is not story based i'm just giving like a, hmm. a an example like um yeah when it comes to opera it's a lot about it's usually like um written literature which is put to music so there's a lot of focus on the story itself and on the on the words and how you're how you're saying it and how you're portraying a character you're portraying somebody other than yourself somebody with different character attributes so mm. yeah i think just that in in little ways like this the approach is a little bit different 
um uh, yeah and the way that it's like laid down is also a little bit different like for example when it comes to opera usually um the music was uh, i mean in both cases the music was composed like a million years ago but uh, when it comes to opera there are like specific directions as to like how you're supposed to like in this part it's supposed to be loud like all of that is like given to you in the sheet music but when it comes to carnatic it's more uh, it's a bit more intuitive it's a bit more like uh open for interpretation and also that it, that really makes you um go inside yourself and connect with something deeper in order to in order to bring in order to bring it out yeah yeah i think that i think that uh, one feels when you know even you're listening you might not be trained uh, classically uh, but still i think this is something that each and every human being has like uh, you know in psychology it said you have nine emotions even in you talk about navarasas there are nine emotions so clearly each one of us has it and mm-hmm. it's the musicians who you know like uh, pick up one by one and you know uh, evoke those emotions in the rasikas that's a great thing so how much of this do you use your learnings your um, introspection your reflections uh, while you teach to your students um so i actually i consider myself uh, sort of better at teaching um like students with who come from like an indian classical background or something like that uh, teaching them western classical because that because that's exactly what i did so i can like i i feel like i have like a little bit of like um a sensibility when it comes to you know like switching from one style to another and how to like how that sort of like sort of feeds each other so when i'm teaching them um like western music theory concepts or when i'm teaching like um uh like anything actually i i try i try to draw comparisons between the two i'm like you know it's like a solfeggio is like the same as like your swarams and like using that and like um e- even when it comes to technique like uh, for example uh, when i was uh, yeah when i was learning carnatic as a child my i I'm, i used to have a pretty soft voice actually so to bring it out like my teacher always used to be like you know you sound like you're singing from like you you sound like you're singing from a well so you know he used to keep saying you have to sing from your uh, nabi which is like yeah you have to sing from your like your stomach like from your abdomen that's why you need to sing from and i didn't understand that for the longest time uh, until i actually attended some opera classes where the first few lessons are basically teaching about the diaphragm and how you control that so mm-hmm. so yeah i just kind of like use both and uh, draw comparisons and like combine both so that like you know my students can understand what i'm teaching them better and also so that they can have like a interdisciplinary use for it so i i teach them opera and i also tell them you know like for example like a head voice you would you would never use a head voice in when you're singing carnatic music you just you just would never do that but that doesn't mean that you can't use that technique at all because when you use like operatic technique when you're singing anything it just makes things like easier on your voice and you're not using your throat so much and hence you're using your stomach which is what they asked us to do anyway so it's just kind of like i just take from uh, whatever i've learned and like sort of like i i've, I've just sort of like made it into like a hybrid thing for myself which i use uh, when i'm teaching the uh, singing technique so yeah mm. and you know as you shared um like your teenage curiosity uh, brought you more closer to pop and you know rap and other like you know towards english so um how did mm. kelvi kuri happened uh, and then leading to your uh, recent album 593 volume 1 we are so you know uh-huh. to which we are so hooked <laughs> 
thank you. So, um, Kavi Kari is a funny story, actually. Um, being like such a huge A.R. Rahman fan, I've always wanted a band where I can also, um, not exclusively, but I can also do regional material. I can write in Tamil and, you know, Malayalam and all the, the, the different languages, and Hindi. Yeah. And uh, yeah, just sort of like, uh, like Indian Indian music is so beautiful and so complex and the 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 timbre of the instruments it's just like something that i've always grown up so i've i really want i really wanted to have like an indian project uh, so in college i found like a set of like amazing amazing musicians who are also like my juniors um in 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 the music course when i did in christ so how it sort of happened is like um i had heard like this fusion uh this fusion song by sonu nigam called suna suna so it's it's like it it blew my mind at that time because i wasn't exposed to that much fusion a uh, jazz fusion actually but at that time and i was just like amazed and i just basically want anybody to like do this song and like make a cover that's it so i just like showed it to so showed it to some of my juniors and they were also like you know like mind blown and the keys player started practicing it like immediately and then we decided okay we are we are in college so cultures are happening so we can just like sort of make a band and like you know play these songs it'll be fun so that's just kind of how it happened we were a college band um but like pretty soon you know our material sort of like outgrew that space and we wanted to record it and we wanted to play shows outside of college so that just sort of like grew like that yeah mm. and how it ended up um at 593 i've actually been very scared of uh, of rapping for a very long time i mean um so when i was in school i wrote like uh, i i used to never pay attention in class i just used to be doing some random stuff like drawing or something so one of these days i was just like so inspired by eminem some song of his and i just wrote like this entire like rap and i just gave myself a rap name <laughs> and i was just like um super excited about it but then like the person sitting next to me in class like found it and then like they just like passed it around to like the entire class and they thought it was like okay but then they were like you know you're just copying eminem and like also what the what is this rap name it's like super lame it was like i'll give them that so after that happened i was like i'm never going to rap ever in my life <laughs> um and i never did uh, until i met um this musician who like very much changed my life and like sort of like the way that i write music um so his name is loyal and uh, like aka martin um so yeah he's just like such a brilliant musician uh, who's you know who sort of like he he sounds like the indian version of every favorite artist that i've ever had like you know daniel caesar he can sound like gallant he can sound like so many people and he sings and he raps and he does like so many things and uh, that just was like so inspiring for me to see that in person um and he was the first one like one of for his live show i was just playing sax and like doing like some backing uh, vocals for him and he just was like you know for this song i want you to write a verse and at the at first i was like absolutely not <laughs> i've never done that maybe i can like learn the existing verse and i can just sort of like do like a cover of it and he was like no no we're not going to do that you're going to write your own verse mm-hmm. so i did it and uh, when i was performing like i remembered only half the verse and then i just sort of like went into panic mode and i was just like staring at him and he just like freestyled it so that nobody noticed uh, but yeah he was the first person and like after that he got this beat and he asked me to write uh, he asked me to write for it 
and that was the first rap song that i have ever written and that didn't uh, that didn't come out yet but uh, yeah it just sort of like opened up i guess this whole side of me that i i, I had like kept shut for a very long time so then that's how financially happened after that i started um being more open and like a little bit like nicer to myself and i'm just like okay it's fine uh, even if i feel like super nervous about it uh, i'm just going to rap anyway so yeah. yeah i just kept writing rap songs and then yeah but you did good to us one. thank you yeah. so much for opening up that side and bringing that <laughs> rapper uh, from ranjini yeah. thank you so much because we are really enjoying that <laughs> and you know just to come with kelvi kuli oh, literally translates to kelvi kuri which literally translates to question mark right mm. so even this maybe is like this yeah. is so simple and this is so every day and this yet mm-hmm. looks so like oh cool it's so cool. i mean that the same goes for even attached uh, you know and your other tracks school bus all of them they are they are very like everyday mm-hmm. names nothing like a big deal but you know once attached to your yeah. track names they are really they stand out <laughs> so how do you choose these track yeah. names um well it is a slightly different story for each but uh, mainly we are just going for i guess like something that's relatable rememberable that's like a symbol uh when it comes to like pound me we just wanted it to be like sort of like funny and i think it was like a bad idea to put the pound symbol uh because like nobody can find the song when they want to but i still like no regrets i i, I still think that it's cool so yeah it's it's just sort of like i mean uh when it comes to kelvikuri like the reason that we chose it is is because it's i i feel like it's a symbol that i really believe in and the fact that you know we don't have like a genre that we stick to our, our music is genuinely like a question mark it's like when you listen to it you're most of the time just like what is this like so um so yeah so most of the yeah it, i i guess the main philosophy behind it is like is so that to make it like some somewhat of like a symbol or something that's like just a, a very strong emotion that people can like very easily get behind yeah and i think, I think for with- most uh, Yeah. Sorry, yeah, I think with Pound Me also I think the same thing. I wasn't like sure how should uh, you know this track uh, should be pronounced. I don't know if this is mm-hmm. how they want to read it. Uh, and and with Kelvikuri I think it's generally a question mark is a very important and a powerful symbol not just uh, with respect mm-hmm. to music but literally uh, you know asking question that's not something very mm-hmm. encouraged in the culture. So I think that's yeah. also there's a little bit of assertion rebellion and you know um, mm-hmm. you know defining certain things by mm-hmm. asking questions so i think there's it it speaks lot more than just the question mark as a symbol right yeah yeah well, so that, that was like really well put yeah yeah i think i mean that's how i read now now coming back to this question of questioning rebellion so you know um you had put a post about um, pay your artist a hashtag pay your artist right so uh-huh. where did that begin from and uh, do you think the uh, status of artist was really like uh, with respect to paying them was not so okay and pandemic has escalated that situation what is your take on that yeah i think absolutely especially around the time that i was uh, making those stories uh, i was getting a lot of responses which was just like you know if you find the answer please let me know um because i i don't know i i just felt like it was really unfair that there was not only no no transparency but i feel like okay if you're if you're a gig venue um i feel like you should be managing your finances in such a way that you're paying the person who's offering you a service 
in the time in the agreed upon time like no matter what right mm. um so that was really annoying me especially like the kind of excuses that i was getting which was like you know uh every time it was almost like with every venue it would it would be the same that's what really like made me curious because it's like they would always tell me oh the management just changed the management just changed or there's a new head of the department and i'm just like are they seriously having so many uh, personal changes that you know they have to keep delaying the payment for like weeks at a time mm. um and i had also gotten into like a pretty big like not okay not big but it was like inconvenient for me but an argument with a certain venue who like uh, while i am asking for the payment which was due like 3 4 months ago you're still like acting like very disrespectful to me and you're just like you know um yeah stop asking so many times i'll get i'll get back to you only when i get the money and stuff like that like i feel like that should not be how uh, we are we are being treated and uh, yeah um, i mean i guess after that happened uh, i haven't had too many bad experiences um i also i mean uh, i know that some some people and some bands do work this way that like you know when they when they agree to do a gig they take like a 50% advance before stepping on the stage hmm. um but not all musicians can afford to do that right like a hmm. lot of a lot of us are, are like um just sort of like looking for any opportunity like we will work for exposure sometimes we will because that's just that's just something uh, we just want to do music and we want to be appreciated for it i just think that it's the duty and obligation of any venue or, or any management to respect that and to respect the person for yeah for like uh, being an artist and for giving you like you know giving you that service so yeah. yeah that's what sort of pushed me to make the hashtag i'm glad that i haven't had use for it since then and people have been paying me on time and like of course during the pandemic there was no reason for that at all mm-hmm. um so so yeah but i hope that when things op- open back up like something can change um i feel like um uh, in 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 a lot of ways the culture of today which is like sort of like a calling out culture of like you know not not taking people's shit basically if i'm allowed to say mm-hmm. shit um mm-hmm. so yeah i i hope that that continues and i hope that venues do get scared of like disrespect disrespecting someone and i feel like a lot more artists should definitely call out when that happens so that the rest of us can support them and the rest of us can like um demand for like you know more accountability more respect yeah. yeah yeah makes sense that's so true i mean yeah that's such a great cause that you stood up for um and do you think that as a woman this problem not just this but even uh, you know uh, participating in indie music industry as a woman do you think your challenges are um, are like higher i think there is one that i definitely have have experienced which i absolutely dislike um is that when it comes to maybe not uh, not indie music but when it comes to even like performing at venues or like representing yourself on social media or like you know um uh, basically you know doing uh, doing like a show for somebody else i've i've gotten this so many times is that like you know they are like uh, okay can you make sure that you wear like a short cocktail dress and uh, you know make yourself look very like sort of sexy that's what they expect then they're like you know it's not me it's not me it's that it's what the venue wants it's what this person wants it's what like the higher up wants so i like absolutely like hated that like even my friend my friends have gone uh, gone through this where like you know 
um, they don't want to dress in any revealing way. In fact, they want to dress like, you know, in a pantsuit or like a shirt, whatever. And after, after the gig, like somebody I know has told her that, you know, you should use the money that you made in this gig to, you know, buy yourself a dress. It'll be like an investment for the future and or whatever. So I just completely disagree with that. Uh, with that aspect that you know the yeah. women in music always need to be always need to look feminine always need to look beautiful need to look sexy need to slightly sexualize themselves um, in order to get ahead yeah so I mean, yeah I feel like that's like one of the biggest challenges that's also disrespectful actually yeah you know that's and disrespectful for the art yeah, that you're performing absolutely. because you're not seeing anything beyond the body right that's precisely why you're focusing on that yeah, I mean, that's kind of uh, sad that yeah. I think in, in every sphere at some point, um, women do go through something of that sort, which is um, kind of... Yeah, just one more thing I feel is also sort of a problem is that um, when there are like... So, for example, singing is like, considered like, you know, something that's like that women are really good at or whatever. But when it comes to like no, usually male-dominated spaces... It's like women are given like way less respect, like when it comes to female producers or female sound engineers mm. or female like instrumentalists, they're always given a little bit less respect. Like once when you see them being like super famous, it's like, oh, no, people are following her because, you know, she looks good because uh, she has a pretty face. That's why uh, I wish that, you know, I was a girl. So I hear this sort of like lang language a lot, but I feel like that's discrediting away from the hard work that they have done in a male dominated space in the sense that they had to get over it themselves. You know, they had to get over some conditioning themselves to push themselves to try and be the best in a, in a space that's like, that's not welcoming to them. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it is. It is truly very, very disrespectful and rude to you know. Um, as you just said, somebody asked them your friend to, you know, use the money to invest oh. in those clothes. Why <laughs> you would rather invest on the instrument or time or something else to better your music? I think exactly. clearly that was not the focus. So um, yeah, I think this just makes you know. I think these are the reasons why all the more um, you know we must push ourselves to uh, you know better ourselves to realize that what is the focus area that uh, you know needs to flourish yeah and and uh, what are your future uh, projects do you plan to write more produce more write raps for us um yeah a lot of rap music is in is in the works of course because i i basically Yay. i live with two producers so they are like um so it's absolutely mental in the house it's like every night it's like there's a new beat and like it's like free for all it's like do you wanna do you wanna write on it like go ahead it's just like that so yeah there's definitely a lot of rap music that's coming and yeah i have like a lot of like collaborations that i am personally like excited about like people who i used to look up to who have like noticed me thanks thanks to this record and like um yeah so and and also uh, a, a few more Tamil songs which are coming and both my bands are working on a lot of music as well that we are putting a lot of thought and a lot of effort into so hopefully that comes out really good so yeah yeah and um last request that I'd like to make which is can you sing something for us please anything mm -hmm. any teeny tiny um, bit sure of course um, so yeah, uh, I feel like a lot of singers say this when they're asked to sing, but like, uh, it's just the truth. But yeah, I, my voice is a little bit 
like not perfect right now but yeah i would like to sing a little bit of um uh my song come through which is the fourth song in the ep 590 volume 1 I'll be here to rub on your shoulders, heavenly, your monsters, be your home, your sweater for your heart. Love to be the one that will offer all I have for your comfort, come as you are. Call for me when you need to feel a bit lighter, make your day brighter, never fun. Just be free and don't need to please rest your head on me and I'll let you be knowing Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much. That was so beautiful. Trust me, I really do not want you to stop here. But, you know, I can't ask for more. This is already too much. Thank you. Thank you so much. Please write more raps. Please write your heart out. And we are really, really excited to... Uh, listen to more music from you more albums more raps whatever is coming all the best for your uh, future projects albums and uh, more paychecks <laughs> wow yes and thank you so much you are so beautiful and i had such a great time thank you thank you